0: We're going to talk about something. This is um, this is like a prelude. This isn't, isn't even an introduction to the sermon series, but it's the prelude to the sermon series because the sermon series hadn't started yet. But the, the topic that we're going to discuss is a little bit of, um, I don't want to say hot button, but I want to make sure that you understand our hearts uh, talking about this. It's going to start... The sermon series will start um, on the fifteenth of May next Sunday. Mike and Cindy Zello will be with with us here from the with the ladies from Beauty for Ashes. Um, I don't know much about being a mother. I live with one. I don't live with my mother, but I live with a mother. Uh, But I thought it'd be neat to hear from somebody who's a mom who takes care of moms. Isn't that cool? And so the whole, the whole beauty for ashes house will be here with us and we'll get to witness God's, uh, God's amazing, uh, ability to, to break addiction next Sunday. So I'm excited about that. We're going to be digging into, um, a subject that, that I think the church has stayed away from a little bit. And, um. And if you've been around here at any length of time, you know that I like to talk about how our mind works. I think it's important. If you don't know how your mind works, you don't know what to do with it. And um, we live in a society, we live in a culture in the United States where anxiety and depression are at epidemic levels. They're affecting our kids at young ages. They're affecting all, all, all groups, all groups, All segments of society, doesn't seem like anyone is is outside of it. And it is rampant. And I think the word of God has something to say about it, about being free and about having peace in our minds. And so we're gonna lean into this a little bit today. And then over the next couple months, we're gonna take a deep dive into it because I want you to hear my heart about this. This is not a sermon series uh, to keep condemnation. There is therefore no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Amen. But the church has to proclaim freedom in areas where Satan is binding us. Amen. Where our culture has us bound up. It's the church's job to stand up and proclaim freedom. It would do us no good as a church if we stood up and said, Well, if you're addicted, just get over, just get used to it. That's what it's going to be. That's what, that's what it's going to look like. You're just addicted forever. But I believe if you're anxious this morning, if you're depressed this morning, if you live the depressed life for as long as you can remember, that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that can break addiction, can also give you peace in your mind. Amen? Amen? And so, um, so I don't want you to misunderstand this is not a get over it sermon series this is a this is there there is freedom in Christ there's peace in Christ there is there is a renewed mind in Christ and uh, and that's that's what we're that's what we're praying for that's what the this sermon series is going to deal with and and that is the uh I'm praying that's a result that happens in your life I'm not naive I don't think I think it could happen overnight but it might not it might take some work. Uh, and there's a loving church here to walk along beside you to make sure the work's completed. Amen. To him, the, the, the one that started the good work in you is able to see it to completion. And so uh, we're going to look at Ephesus, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, uh, Ephesians chapter four. And we're going to start in verse 17. So why don't you stand to your feet in honor of reading the word. And we're going to read verse 17 through, I don't know, through revelations. So you got that. You can see it on the screen. It's in your phone app, the Hope Community Church phone app. Maybe, hopefully, you brought a paper Bible. Um, But say amen if you're ready. Say, oh my, if you don't know. Verse 17, now this... corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for the building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. I pray that being with each other and in your presence, looking into your word would renew our minds. Lord, I pay, pray peace would fill this building this morning. That there'd be no space for anxious thought, no space for depression, Lord. I pray that your peace would fill the building. Make new connections in our mind that are based on you. And we thank you for it today. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen. You may be seated. One of the themes of Paul's letter to the churches, letters to the churches, is the idea of not returning back to your old way of living or thinking. And he would do this to the Jewish churches. It was a little bit different with the Jewish churches. He was... was Telling them not to go back to a legalistic way of thinking. Don't, don't, once you've received Christ, don't make it, don't, don't add more things to it. Don't require circumcision. Don't require all these things. Don't require dietary restrictions. Don't, don't make a big deal about these things. You've, you've got freedom in Christ and, um, and you can't add to it. Don't go back to the old way of doing it. When he would talk to the Gentile churches, he would say, don't be crazy like you used to. Because in the Gentile churches where they were living, they were embracing things that that strict Jews would never even consider embracing. And Ephesus was one of those places. Ephesus was a was a very important city. It was a rich city. It was a it, it was a, it was a hub. It was it housed one of the seven ancient wonders of the world the the temple of uh, Artemis, who was um, who was a goddess of fertility. And and if you um, look at the statues they used to carve of her, you would go Ooh, okay. <laughs> That looks fertile. Um You can google it not now but They um there's actually a rampant form of feminism like like not just women's rights but but um uh, it, was, it was it was different than a lot of the other cultures because of that and it was a plural, pluralistic society religiously. They did worship the goddess of Artemis as, as the main, but they didn't mind you bringing your own God with you as well. Whatever, whatever floated your boat, you could, you could put it in that river. And so it wouldn't have been a big deal for, for this little new religion, uh, this new belief in Jesus to come along. It wasn't a big deal. You just attached to everything else you're doing. So a little bit of Jesus with a little bit of fertility sounds good to everybody. Paul is making the case, though, that now that, you've, now that you've heard the truth of the gospel, now that you've been redeemed by Jesus in his, in his death and resurrection, now that the Holy Spirit has empowered you, now, now that this transformation has taken place, don't you dare go back to that old way of thinking. But you have to remember, they didn't, they didn't get up and move out of the town they were in. The church the church, probably meeting in a bunch of different places, was still in Ephesus. And so there was a still a normal way of thinking in Ephesus. Just like there's a normal way of thinking in the United States. There's a there's a culture here. When you find you when you when you travel a little bit, you find out there's other cultures and other places. It was a little bit shocking to me. I, I love um, I'm in construction world and doing all kinds of things in my hands and building things. And and so I love the idea that we can go into a hardware store here in the United States. Um, you got a couple around here, big box stores and just go in and get what you want. You don't have to ask anybody about it. Amen. I know where it is. If I need help, I'll ask probably not, but anyway, it's available if I need it. We were in Spain. We were trying to get two pieces of plywood. It took a 15 minute conversation to get two 15 minutes, two 15, or a 15 minute conversation to get two pieces of plywood. I'm standing at the desk and I'm like, I don't, could you let me around the corner? I don't know how to say it, but let me around the corner. I'll get it myself. And I'm looking at the guy I'm with and I'm like, I don't, didn't we tell him four by eight this thick? Uh, what else? What are we talking about as kids now? And then I realized that in other countries they like having conversations. It was normal to have a conversation about plywood in that country. And I'm like, you're taking up my time. Like, why are we typing in the computer? The plywood's right behind you. So you realize when you travel a little bit, there's cultural norms and there's the normal way of doing things. Nobody else in the store was like, why are they taking so long to get plywood? They're probably like, look at the patient, impatient American over there. (laughs) He's gonna keep him talking a little while longer. You have your normal way of thinking. Seems totally normal to you, doesn't it? That's the scary part. What we often say about the way we think our minds, what we often say is that this is the way I'm wired. Anybody ever heard that? This is the way I'm wired. Maybe, maybe you get into a relationship and they're like, ha, ha, that's cute. Do you do that all the time? <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and you go, well, it's the way I'm wired. It's the way I think about it. And then when we become Christians, we say this. We add something to this is the way I'm wired. We add this is the way God wired me. Yeah. So now all of the dumb things you do is God's fault. There is, there is um, there's a problem with that statement. Is that none of, us, none of us think the way we do now, um, free from the influence of sin? So, what is happening in your brain, and, and some of you may know this, some of you, this may be new, but we, we do talk about this a lot here because I think it's important to know if you want to be able to drive a car, you got to know how it works. <laughs> I would hope. What happens is your brain is constantly being rewired. Your brain is constantly, it is, it is an adaptable thing in your skull. It's, it never stays the same. It's constantly transforming and, and creating new connections and and new pathways and new shortcuts. And it's, it is is an amazing creation that has the ability to adapt. And so you could believe something 10 years ago. And then if your brain didn't have the ability to rewire itself, you would still believe that same thing 10 years later. But because God has given you the innate ability to reason and ration and rewire your brain in a way that no no other no other creature on the planet has 10 years later you can think something totally different amen 10 years ago you could think cats were cool 10 years later you could come to the saving knowledge that it's not true i hope that doesn't work the other way So the problem with saying, this is the way we think is that we rarely, we rarely understand how much sin has impacted the way we think. And so we, so we, we just say, man, that's the way I think. This is the way God wired me. wait, 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 wait a second. It wasn't just God that wired you. You had a big part of that. And the sin that so easily besets us, the Bible says, had a major factor in the way we think. So Paul is trying to address that to the church in, a, in Ephesus. He's saying, listen, this is the way you thought when it was normal. Because everybody around you thought, like, this is Ephesus, man. We worship the goddess of fertility. And we all carry around the little statue. And, and, and if, you, if you read the... Uh, Paul's account in Ephesus, you'll find out that that a great uproar came because of that little statue. And they chanted for two hours how great the goddess of fertility was. Think about that. That was normal. So if you'd have been from Ephesus at that point in time, during that thing, you might have went into that same Colosseum and went, yeah! channing over a goddess there's all kind everything was permissible in ephesus paul lays that out that people did whatever they wanted nobody was judging each other everything seemed fine bring your own god to the party There were really no rules. You could all kinds of sensuality. Said, he said that there was a, there was a greediness that lended that itself to all this sensuality. Whatever makes me feel good, I'm going to do. Whatever, whatever whatever, makes me happy in the moment, that's what I'm going to do. And it just lended lend, lend itself to chaos. And so Paul is saying, hey, remember, you came, you came out of that way of thinking. That was normal. All right. Let's fast forward around two thousand years. I, I'm not. I'm not an old fogey. Trust me. Um, I don't. I don't think. My, my daughter bought me a pair of um, of light wash jeans that she told me were really cool. And they, they're in my closet. And my wife said, you should wear them this morning. I said, I don't know if I'm ready to be that cool. Um, So I'm trying to, maybe you'll see me with them next week. Mm. But I'm not that old. But even in my lifetime, I can remember a time where if the commercials that played on my TV played in front of my parents, my face would have turned red. I can remember a time where things that will play on TV today, if they were played 30 years ago, would have, would have been taken off a TV. You wouldn't, it wouldn't have been allowed to be played. There were no beeps in TV 30 years ago where you could still read the lips that, and that's just a little part of it that. We are embracing in our culture every form of sensuality. We're not, only, we're not only permitting it, we are promoting it. We're promoting it to children. We're promoting all these things all across the board. If it makes you feel good, do it. If you wake up in the morning, if you wake up in the morning and you feel a certain way, then just embrace that thing. And, and everything will be fine, just embrace it, become more like it, just, just do whatever, whatever that thing is, just keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. And the issue is, as Paul said, man, that's a futile way to think. That's an empty form of thinking. And he tells us how, how, it, how it got there. And so the, the issue is, is now this is normal in our society. This is normal. This is what everybody thinks. This is how it works. This is well, well, if you feel that way today, I have to embrace it, I have to encourage it. Man, I'm gonna tell you something. I grew up in the old school, like you could have I could have went to my parents and said, I feel this way, (laughs) then you stop feeling that way. Jesus is coming back tomorrow, and you better not be feeling that way when he gets here. I'm not saying that's right or wrong either. Paul is begging the church in Ephesus, don't go back to that, that futile way of thinking. Because just because you think it's the natural way of thinking doesn't make it righteous. All right, now we're back to the beginning. Because remember how you just naturally think? Well, I mean, I'm a good person. And this is the way I think. What we have to start doing is challenging the way we naturally think. Because I, look, we've taken all kinds of personality tests here. We take them over and over and over. And every time I take one and show it to my wife, she goes, "Mm-hmm, yep, that's you. That is you. That is you. Did you read all of it? That is absolutely you." Now I could take that personality test and go, "God wired me this way," or I could say, "God, this is what's showing up right now. Can you can you reform this thing?" Can you renew this thing? Society would tell us, well, that's what you think? Just embrace it. Just embrace it. Just become more like that. And God's saying, that is who you are today, but that doesn't have to be who you are tomorrow. That is who you are today. Took the test, and everybody around me agrees. Yep, that's you. The power of the gospel is that doesn't have to stay me. But what we're doing in our culture, the normal is, is not to challenge anybody to think any differently. It's to actually say, however you think, just keep thinking that way. And Paul is telling the church in Ephesus, you just came out of that normal way of thinking. Don't stay there. All the normal way of thinking produced all this chaos, all this hurt, all this pain. Uh, it, it's, it's producing nothing but futility. Now you've been pulled out of that old way. Now you've been pulled out of the normal way of thinking in your family, the normal way of thinking in your town, the normal way of thinking in your country. Now you've been pulled out of the normal Netflix way of thinking, and now you've been enlightened to the gospel. Don't go back. Don't go back. Because normal does not mean Righteous. Normal does not mean godly. Normal does not mean beneficial. Paul would say at one time, just because everything is permissible doesn't make it beneficial. Just because you can go out and sleep with somebody every night of the week doesn't mean it's going to turn out well. Just because you can drink till you're blackout drunk doesn't mean it's going to turn out well. Just because society goes, yeah! That's the way to think. Does not mean there's ever going to Be any peace at the end of that. So when I look at normal now in the United States, I look at this. Whatever we are normally doing is producing more anxiety and depression than the world has ever seen. However, whatever in our society that we are embracing is making us crazy. And I say that with all kindness. It is destroying destroying our minds. Whatever we're embracing as normal is causing us to be dysfunctional. Whatever we're sitting down at night watching is not causing us to have clear minds. It's causing us to have more cloudy minds. Whatever we're reading, whatever we're embracing, whatever we're participating in. And the church at some point in time has to stand up and say, I thought we were coming out of that. I, I, thought, I, thought the, I thought the blood of Christ was pulling us away from that. And so Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus going, hey, don't, don't you dare go back to that bondage. Don't you dare go back to whatever's normal. Because normal's not, make, normal's not cutting it, normal's not producing anything. He, he would write in Romans chapter 6, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. He said, you do whatever you want. Slaves of sin, there was no rules. You were free as far as righteousness is concerned. You had nothing to judge it by. You had nothing in your head to determine whether this was right or wrong. Anybody remember that? Anybody here? Maybe maybe you walked in this morning and said, oh, I'm still living there. I remember a season in my life where it was like, oh, I don't, I don't know if there's any rules. And, and by the way, I think the church should get over... Um, I also remember a season in the church where we were like, sin ain't fun, sin ain't fun, it's gonna make you miserable. Actually, it doesn't. Sin is very fun. Or you wouldn't do it. Or I wouldn't. Sin is fun. Matter of fact, doesn't it say it's pleasurable for a season? Yeah, sin is fun for a season. Come on, don't be stuffy with me. Don't act like I'm the only one who had fun. Look at your neighbors, I remember that. Matter of fact, the stories you tell are typically the fun, simple ones. I just told one this morning in church. Because how would the devil entice us with pain up front? He doesn't do that. He's slick. He doesn't entice us with pain up front. Sin is pleasurable for a season, but the end thereof is death. So, so Paul is writing to the Romans in chapter six another Gentile group of people. And he says, listen, you, you were free as far as right. do whatever you want. You were out having fun. You were doing whatever you want, but then he hits on it. But what fruit were you getting at the time? You see, that's what normal has caused us to overlook. That's what normal, that's what our society, our normal thinking society, that's what it's caused us to overlook. Because nobody wants you to look at what it's producing. Nobody wants us to look at what what this type of lifestyle, what this type of mentality, what this type of thinking is producing in our culture. And it is killing us. It's not just that there's no fruit, it's the fruit of death. And as as I remember hearing people say, you're barking up the wrong tree. And the church has to break away at some point in time and say, we can't think like that anymore because it is producing... Death And when I look at our culture in America today, I'm saying, how can we produce this much depression? How can we produce this much anxiety? How can we produce this much? We have so much technology and we have so much freedom and we have so much wealth. How can we then produce so much anxiety? To the point that we can't function. To the point that we just end up living with it year after year after year. And get to the point where we think there's no hope. Paul's saying to the Romans and the Ephesians, Hey listen, that normal way of thinking doesn't produce anything for you. It's not productive. You're going to say, but what fruit are you getting in that time which... The things of which you are now ashamed... maybe some of it is we're ashamed of nothing anymore. For the end of those things is death. Church, our culture is embracing things that we used to be ashamed of. We're teaching our kids things that we used to be ashamed of. Our cartoons are promoting things. That we used to be ashamed of. And we're wondering why we're depressed. We're wondering why we're anxious. We're wondering why that we have no peace. We're wondering why we can't rest our minds. We're wondering over and over and over and over again. We can't figure it out. And Paul's saying, if you go back, you can't expect fruit thinking like everybody else thinks. So he talks about hardness. Verse 19, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That that statement right there, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. It's like, it's like, can't wait to get to it. Like push your way through a crowd. Like, let me be first. If we're going to do something dirty, let me be the first one in. They become calloused. Ephesians chapter two, he writes at the beginning of the letter and you were dead in your trespasses and sin in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. He's saying we were doing exactly what we wanted to do. And we were by nature, children's of wrath. We were naturally thinking this way. This is how we were wired. Sin wired us a certain way, and we became calloused. Now, calluses are a funny thing, aren 't they? If you are uh, one of those people that walk around barefooted, anybody walk around barefoot all the time? Um, for the sake of everybody everybody, put your shoes on. It's just kidding. If you walk around barefoot all the time, it amazes me how like a five-year-old could just run through the gravel barefoot. I walk out on the kitchen floor and I'm like, "Oh, oh wow." It, it is amazing, but if, if, you, if you walk around barefoot long enough, you'll build calluses up on your feet, right? That's always cute. Build calluses up on your feet, and they actually serve a really good purpose. Because if you have calluses on your feet, then you can walk over things and those sharp things won't penetrate as well. Just like I, I'm, I'm into building houses and all different kinds of stuff outside the church. And, and so um, if I'm in the middle of that, I'll get calluses on my hands, which are very convenient when you're working with wood. Now, if I shake your hand, it might feel weird. But as far as working with wood, it's very convenient because a splinter won't go in my hand. It might go in yours. Anybody else have some rough hands in the house? Amen. Very convenient. When it comes to our hearts, though, it is not convenient. It's actually, it's actually life-threatening. Paul says they, they became callous and hard-hearted. Callous and hard-hearted. They had built up a resistance to what was needed to penetrate. John Hopkins Medicine defines, it's a sclerosis of the heart, right? Check with Melinda after the service, she'll pronounce it for you. A hardening of the arteries is a thickening or hardening. It's caused by a buildup of plaque in the inner lining of an artery. Plaque is made up of a deposit of fatty substances, cholesterol, cellular waste products, calcium and fibrin. As it builds up in the arteries, the artery walls become thickened and stiff. So it kind of works like this. It's kind of like you eat fast food three times a day for the next 20 years. And then you show up to the doctor and he goes, hey, hey, hey you're getting ready to die. And you go, really? I had no idea. Well, your arteries are all clogged up because you were eating trash and it just stuck in your arteries and hardened them and clogged them up. And so now the thing that was designed to carry the lifeblood through your body is now all clogged up. So watch how this works in your brain. Now the thing that God put in you that is totally different from any other creation on the planet, the thing for you to reason and, and be able to fathom and imagine, your dog doesn't imagine. It's not, it's not imagining if I had a better owner, how much better life would be. It's not thinking like that. But you have that capability. You can dream and imagine and create. It's like the image of God. That's the part of us. He created us with this thing that can breathe life into people and and, and and create beautiful things and do all of that. But what happened is we let normal harden it. We let it become callous to the things of God. And so all of a sudden, the lifeblood of Jesus that should be renewing us now can't penetrate anymore because we've embraced normal. Because everybody eats at the fast food restaurant, so why wouldn't we? now we can't figure out why there's no peace in our life. If you've got three blocked arteries, you shouldn't be going to the doctor going, why is it hard for me to breathe? Why is it, why, why don't I have any energy? And he's going to look at us and say, well, Chris, congratulations. You got the results that you were eating for. By the way, I've had those conversations with my doctor. He said, you've been really good at doing that dumb thing. Paul is begging the church over and over in almost every letter to a church he would write to, stop being hard hearted, stop being calloused. That beautiful mind that God gave you, he can renew it in a way that the Holy Spirit can just dump life giving energy and peace into your life. But if you resist, if you just stay in that normal way of everybody else thinking and everybody else handling it, then it'll never happen. But he says, look, you've been brought out of that. Don't go back to it. You say, Chris, well, I've been depressed for 10 years. I'm being very honest with you. Your brain is wired. It's wired a certain way right now that you think is normal. But I need to let you understand something that God doesn't want you to think naturally anymore. He doesn't want you to think the way you've been thinking. He doesn't want you to think one more second the way you have processed difficulty, the way you process hurt, the way you process pain, the way you process anger, the way you process something. It's a deadline coming up and you're all anxious and, and the way you process heartache and you just get to pray. He doesn't want you to process it normally or naturally anymore. He wants you to process that supernaturally. Listen, a little, little definition of supernatural. Merriam-Western Dictionary defines supernatural as this. Departing from what is usual or normal, especially so as to appear to transcend the laws of nature. Departing from what is usual or normal to transcend the law of nature. Okay, so watch how this works in our culture. Everybody thinks this way. This is what everybody's dealing with. This is how everybody does it. This is what, oh, I understand if I was in your position, I'd, I'd have my head under the pillow for the next seven years as well. I understand. It's the way everybody does it. What the scripture does, what the blood of Christ does is cause us to come out of what is normal and come over here to what is supernatural. What is natural over here? This is the way everybody's dealing with it. No, 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 no. He's calling you because he saved you. He set you free. You've got the power that raised Christ from the dead dwelling in you. So now that gives the church the ability to be supernatural in the same circumstance. Because for decades, the church has been praying for the wrong thing. The church has been praying that we wouldn't walk through the same circumstances that everybody else has. Instead, we should have been praying, let me have a supernatural mindset in the circumstance that everyone else is in. Because guess what? If you live in Ephesus, you're gonna deal with people in Ephesus deal with. If you live in Hedgesville, you can deal with traffic out here at eight o'clock in the morning trying to get down the road. You're just gonna deal with it. And praying that God would deliver you from that probably is a futile prayer. Amen? But if he can give you a supernatural mindset so that you're not giving everybody the red flag on... All of a sudden, I've been praying for circumstance, 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 instead of praying for the supernatural. And we've only talked about the supernatural in church as delivering us from a circumstance when actually he was trying to convince us that it was to deliver our thinking in the circumstance. He wants to renew your mind so it doesn't matter what circumstance you're in. Come on, church. He wants to renew your mind so your circumstance doesn't matter as much. So when you have a, when you have a fallout fight with your husband or your wife, and all of a sudden, you're not talking about divorce anymore because your mind's been renewed. You're not that same person you were six months ago. When you have it out with your kids, you're all of a sudden not calling names anymore because why? That was a normal way that your family did it, but now you've moved to a supernatural way. So even if you disagree with your kids, now you can encourage them. Because kids are kids. That's the circumstance. And to be praying that you're delivered from your kids probably is the wrong prayer. Lord, give me a supernatural ability to deal with my kids. I know how I was taught growing up. I know what was common in my family. Give me a supernatural ability to deal with my husband. Give me a supernatural ability to deal with my wife. Give me a supernatural ability to deal with this, with this very difficult circumstance in my life. Give me a supernatural ability to deal with my boss. Give me a supernatural ability to deal with the car breaking down and the and the and and me getting sick. Give me a supernatural ability. Because Paul would later write to the Philippians, he would say, he would say, In every circumstance by prayer and supplication, bring your request to God with thanksgiving. In every circumstance that everybody in Ephesus was dealing with already, that everybody in America is dealing with already, in every one of those circumstances, bring your requests to God and the result of that, remember in Romans 6 when Paul said what you were used to doing was getting no results. Was getting no results. There wasn't any fruit to show for it. But now when our minds are renewed, when we have not a natural way, but a supernatural way of thinking, then all of a sudden, in that same exact circumstance that you were in 10 years ago, now the peace of God that was supernatural, that transcends everything that was normal and now becomes abnormal, it's supernatural now. The peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your... It'll keep it from getting calloused and hard and it'll renew your mind. Church, what do we have to offer people if the results aren't different? If people walk in this church or any church, the big C church, if people are are looking far and wide trying to find out how to How to beat back depression and anxiety. How to get off the medication. How to, how to transform their life. If they're, if they're waking up every morning going, I don't want to live this life, but they don't know how to do it. If they can't walk in here and find the supernatural peace of God that guards our heart and minds, what in the world would we have to offer? Paul's begging the church, don't just accept what's normal in your your culture. Don't accept what's normal way of thinking, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let him free you here. Let him give you peace in your mind. And I'm telling you, he can do it right now. He can do it in this moment. If you will let it, if you will take off the callus, if you'll peel back the hardness, if you'll if you'll put the stem in so that the flow of goodness and forgiveness and righteousness can flow into your life, He can do it right now. Come on, stand to your feet. I'm praying for peace this morning in your life. I'm praying for wholeness. I'm praying for a clear mind. I'm praying that you would never think naturally again. I'm praying that you would never think like you've been taught to think again. I'm praying that the Spirit of God living in you would give you the ability to think supernaturally. Over every circumstance you're in today, over the circumstances causing anxiety in your life and depression right now, I'm praying that He give you a supernatural thought this morning that would overrule everything else. Amen? Come on, if you're in that place this morning, could you lift your hands to Him? Could we get some breakthrough today? Could He take what? what was destroying you, that mindset that was holding you back, producing nothing, I pray that he would change it this morning in a moment, that the Holy Spirit would give you a supernatural thought today. Change us today, Lord. Change our minds right now. Thank you, God. Come on, let him do that. Let that lifeblood flow through you this morning.